please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. I'm Doug King. I'm your host this week. And I, I've got to admit, this week is going to be a little bit different than most weeks. I have been sick a lot this week, and so I'm just going to be right up front with you guys. I'm only going to be giving you 80%, but it's going to be a really amazing 80% because I decided that while I was laying around not feeling well doing a little bit of research that I would uh, look into 80% lowers. And so I thought that that would be a good topic for this week to talk about in part. And then I want to fill you guys in on what's happening with uh, carrying guns past the secure area of the airport here at Hartsdale Jackson. So that's another interesting topic that I want to address because I actually ended up in federal court this last week on a case dealing with just that issue and how things have changed. Um, I, I think it'll be really interesting for everyone to hear just how drastically things have changed. So let's start off with Hartsfield Jackson, and then we'll, we'll shift into the 80% game after that, talking about 80% lower receivers for not only AR-15s, but now also for Glock, which is why I wanted to, to cover that this week. I found that, and I found it to be very interesting. But, so, we all know that it's legal to carry a gun at the airport. We've seen the guy with the AR-15 at the airport. We remember the House bill, what was it, 89, that, that opened up the airport carry, and then the the battle with the federal courts where just Judge Shub, who Marvin Shub on the federal uh, district court of appeals or federal district court ruled against GCO's position that airports were covered by House Bill 89, and then after that, and then Judge, Judge Marvin Shub, not to be confused with his daughter, who is on the who is a trial judge in city or the uh, Fulton County Superior Court. Anyway, so we all remember that fight back in 2008, but things have have kind of settled down a bit because another law was passed immediately following. The next year, the legislature rose up and said, no, we really did mean that you can carry a gun to Hartsfield-Jackson, which was really an idiotic position for everyone to be taking because guns had always been carried into the non-secure part of the airport. It, It usually wasn't on a hip. Usually it was in a bag. And what people did was you take your gun from your car and your your soon to be checked luggage. You take it up to the airport counter. You tell the baggage claim attendant at at what check in when you're getting your tickets that you have a firearm and that you're flying with it. And they would then direct you to take that bag over to a TSA screening line. TSA would look in the bag, see the firearm, make sure that it's unloaded and that the ammunition that it's flying with is encased in a paper or plastic box next to it. And then they throw in a little sticker inside your suitcase saying that they had checked it and they would take it. You would lock it. They'd take it, put it on the conveyor belt, off it, go and come down into the carousel at the other end of your flight. Not a big deal. I mean, really, all in all, not a big deal. So this happens all the time. People fly with firearms all the time. And for the airport to be saying there were no guns in Hartsfield-Jackson was just idiotic because people were carrying guns in to fly with them all the time. Now, what happens when you go through the metal detectors with a gun is a little bit more hair-raising. 
the old system, it was handled by state court. So this was a Georgia misdemeanor. It had always been a Georgia misdemeanor, and it was handled at the state level. Uh, the first case, I remember the very first cases were this right after House Bill 89 came out, and it was getting media attention, and the case went to Clayton County because the airport actually, even though it's in city of Atlanta, it's located in Clayton County. So APD handles the, the police work, but they ship all of the cases to, to Clayton. So the first case went down to Clayton and Clayton didn't know what to do. And I was representing the, the person who had accidentally carried their firearm. It was in a bag. It was going to be a checked bag. And then they told them that it would be an extra $50 to check the bag. But because it was so small, they could use it as carry on. It wouldn't cost them a dime. And they're like, Oh, great idea. We're late for our flight. Anyway, let's go. And next thing you know, they're being busted for carrying a gun through because they had a gun in their now non checked bag. Great. So what happened was the person was arrested. They were transported to the Clayton County Jail at the Clayton County Adult Detention Center. They bonded out. It was about $2,000 for a cash bond. You'd get all the money back if you put it up in cash. Um, they bonded out. Uh, they hired me, and we went to court. And at arraignment, the solicitor's like, this is a horrible, horrible thing. We, we want 30 days in jail. We want 12 months probation. We want a $1,000 fine. We want a psyche eval. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is an accident. This is not criminal. And I don't think you can prove that it's a crime. So let's roll. And my thought at the time was, how are you going to prove intent? Intent is an essential element of every crime in Georgia. And while they, they, it was kind of nebulous whether it was specific intent or general intent. And here's, here's the argument. The prosecutor would turn around and say, well, you intended to take the bag through. You intended to place a gun in the bag. That you forgot that the gun was in the bag when you took the bag through, it doesn't matter. You intended to take, put the gun in the bag and you intended to take the bag through. Meanwhile, I turn around and say, no, there was no intent to bring a gun into the secure area. It was an accident and you can't hold someone criminally liable for an accident. Have you ever forgotten your cell phone? If you've ever forgotten your cell phone, then this makes perfect sense. You can have something that's very important to you that you make a mistake about and forget. And, you know, your cell phone is a pretty intrinsic part of your life at this point. I mean, it's got your bank account number. It's got all your contacts. It's got your surfing history, all sorts of stuff that you wouldn't just hand over to a stranger or leave laying on a table somewhere. But it happens every day. Every day someone's forgetting their cell phone somewhere, right? And about five times a week, this happens at Hartsfield-Jackson where someone forgets a gun in their bag. So we, we end up talking to the prosecutor and we, we went to trial and at the trial they realized that this was going to be a lot harder than they originally intended and that I was willing to go all the way on it just to beat it and then start to say that there's no way to prosecute these cases and then that would be real bad for Clayton. So they had this brilliant idea of asking me what I wanted and I said we need to have a diversion program. Well, what do you want in your diversion program? I said, well, the only way that we're going to be really happy with doing diversion rather than going to trial and winning because, hey, we can go to trial and win any one of these if I want to, is if we get an expungement of the arrest because that's something I can't do for you in Georgia, okay? If you've been arrested, that's going to be on your permanent record forever. The only way to get an expungement for an arrest is if the case is dismissed prior to trial and if the prosecutor agrees to the expungement. So not only do you have to have the case dismissed because it's a bad case, but the prosecutor has to realize that this is such a bad case that you didn't deserve to be arrested. That's a pretty big admission from a prosecutor. Usually they're saying, well, we don't have the evidence or we don't have witnesses cooperating or something else. But this was a good case. The officer did the right thing in arresting this person. So to get a prosecutor to go all the way to 
well, I don't care. This was a horrible case and we're going to take the arrest away is a big deal. So I said that that's what I wanted. I wanted to have an expungement of the record and, and just why don't you just have them take an NRA course, right? Free, you know, you can get an NRA course cheaper free. It's ubiquitous. You can get it anywhere you are. If you were flying out of here, you could do it in Washington State or Arizona or even California. I think they still allow the NRA into California. And there, you can take your class and send the stuff back and get the um, case dismissed and the record expunged and everybody's happy. And Clayton said, okay. And for several years, that's the way it worked. You would get a lawyer, go down there. They would convince Clayton that this was a diversion-eligible case, and off you go. So then the big question is, what happens when it's not a diversion-eligible case? What if they say, we're not going to give you the diversion package? And that came up for me in 2011. There was a gentleman who had a restraining order on him. Now, it was a temporary restraining order. It was a 30-day without him even having had a hearing. Right, so this isn't this isn't like set in stone. This is just bare allegations. But Clayton said, "Hey, if he had a restraining order, he had no business carrying a gun, especially at the airport. Boom, we're not giving him diversion. We want jail time." So I said, "Fine, if you want jail time, awesome. Let's just go ahead and run with this. Um, I want a jury trial." And Clayton looks at me and says, all right, fine, let's have a jury trial. So we came in for the jury trial, and they had accused the wrong code section. And this is something that is painfully common in prosecuting strange code sections, right? I mean, they know criminal trespass. They know DUI backwards and forwards and upsides and downsides and every which side you can turn um, 43 391 or whatever it is that that is the DUI code section. They know it backwards and forwards because it's litigated all the time. Carrying a concealed weapon, not so much. How it works with the permits, not so much. <coughs> so these are all scary things for them, and they'd pick the wrong code section. I knew it, and I was ready to go to trial just on the wrong code section. I filed a motion to demur that they had alleged that a crime that wasn't actually alleged in the facts. And they come into court with a brand new accusation. And again, they, this time, instead of what they had, they went to that it was a government building. Well, Hartsfield-Jackson is not a frickin' government building, okay? It wasn't. And now government buildings are specifically defined. But at the time, it wasn't a government building. And the judge knew it, and I knew it, and the poor D solicitor didn't know it. The judge is like, so you're going to prove that an essential element of this is that it's a government building. Yes, sir. You're going to prove it's a government building. Yes, Your Honor. How are you going to prove it's a government building? Who's going to testify to that? And she looks over at me and she looks behind her. She's like, I have two TSA agents. And just says, from the bench, just says, TSA can't prove it's a government building. You're, you're not going to be able to, why don't you talk to the defense attorney? She comes over. She's like, I don't know what he's, I was like, you can't, it's not a government building. She says, well, it's illegal. I said, it's not a government building. You're on second strike. What are you going to do? She says, my boss won't let me. I said, tell your boss the judge is hopping mad. Have your boss come in and talk to the judge about what is the right code section. And she shrugged. She said, what do you want? And I said, I want diversion. I want the diversion program with the expungement and everything else because this isn't right. It's not fair. And they caved. They gave me diversion. Poof, my guy gets to go home. Okay, we're at a commercial break. I'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, everybody. So, before the break, we were talking about um, the the history of the airport cases. So, uh, where I left off, I had a guy who was not diversion eligible. I went in, ready to go to trial, pushed them to their burden. They didn't know what they were doing. In the end, they gave them diversion. So, things are clicking along in Clayton pretty good. I don't know about the average person who's going into Clayton, but... For every one of my clients, every single last one of them got diversion, got an expungement, and got what they wanted. The downside is is that Clayton would seize a firearm. You'd never get it back. Never get it back. And you had to take an NRA course. And you had to pay me, and you had to pay a bond. And if you couldn't pay a cash bond, then you wouldn't get your bond money back. If you could put up the two grand in cash, then you would get all your bond money back, and it was all good. Cool. So, life is good. Things are clicking along in Clayton. Now, let's fast forward to June of this year. A press release comes out from FBI. We are now going to be prosecuting all the airport carrying a gun cases federally. And everyone starts quaking in their boots because why on earth are we messing with the system? Things are working well. Everyone's getting, they're getting expungements. They're not having a criminal record. They're just taking a class. They, yes, they lose the gun, but <clears throat> pretty smooth. Well, my best guess, and I don't know, this is just pure speculation on my part, but my best guess is that something happened in the Justice Department <coughs> where Justice decided that they wanted to get jurisdiction over these cases. Now, that's a scary prospect, okay? You all should be nervous about Justice expanding their domain into more and more of your life because you don't want to have to deal with the federal government on things like this. The federal government... My goodness, you know, I used to teach a poli-sci 1001 class. I was a, a teacher's aide, TA assistant in, in a university, and I, I taught the small section, and I gave a lecture occasionally, and I know the poli-sci stuff pretty well. And looking back at American history, there is absolutely no reason the federal government should be involved in prosecuting you for carrying a gun at a port. <laughs> and that's what an airport is still a port. And so if you go back to 17, you know, 91 and look around and say, you know, should, would you, if you asked anybody at the Constitutional Convention, should the federal government be prosecuting people for defending themselves at a port? They would say, what on earth are you talking about? The federal government should be laying taxes, setting excises, imports and tariffs, should be making treaties with other countries. No, no, the federal government doesn't have any direct influence on any single one person. It has influence over the states. Well, here we are with the federal government expanding their power into your life, that you are now more likely to get picked up. This is one of those points where you could get into federal crime and into federal court. And that's exactly what's happening now. All of these cases are going to federal district court, U.S. District Court, Northern District of Georgia. So I have a client, client who um, was inadvertently carrying a gun in through the metal detector like everyone before him and this has been going on forever since the dawn of time right i mean we have this happen it's no big deal in other airports it's not even considered really a crime but you know here we go um so he gets detained by tsa and then the fbi steps in and the FBI takes his gun and issues him a notice that he will have federal district court and he calls me and hires me and last week we went in for the first round of these these hearings now we're all a little bit on edge right because nobody knows exactly what's going to happen 
federal court is is very rigid there's an awful lot of expectations there it's it's just scarier in a lot of ways especially for the defendant so we go in and and i kind of have a feeling that they're not going to know what they're doing right i mean this is a brand new policy brand new procedure everybody's new at it nobody has it written down they haven't been doing it for 10 years prosecutors don't adjust well to brand new policies and procedures they have a routine they know that you know it's it's kind of like legos right you've got a brick that's a certain size and shape that goes along with this crime so you got that crime i put this brick on top they click together we're good you got that crime, I've got this brick of prosecution. I snack it on top, and they click together, and we do good. Then someone hands you that weird alien-shaped one from the early 90s where there's only a couple of pieces in the whole kit, and it's like just one gigantic weird assembly thing. And you go, what on earth is this? Nothing clicks on it. It, it doesn't fit into anything. I don't know what to do with it. Well, that, that's kind of where a prosecutor is with a brand-new code section and this it's not really a new code section but it's a new application of it because they've never had to deal with it it always went down to state court so we go in there and the prosecutor calls up my guy first because i'm there and to my knowledge this is the first one of these that had ever been done in district court and the prosecutor looks over at us and he says so what happened i said inadvertent he had it in his bag it was accidental um don't know what else to tell you it happens you know Everyone forgets sometime. He says, well, why do you have a gun? Now, let me tell you, folks, if there is one question that law enforcement or prosecutors ask that drives me nuts, it drives me nuts. It's why did you have a gun? All right. First time I got hit with this was when I was 21 years old. When I was 21, I was just about to graduate from law school and I was... Um, working in the DA's office as a third-year practice act, trying cases in Cobb County. And when I was there, I I got my permit the day I turned 21. I went and got myself a 1991 A1 Colt 45 ACP the very next day, and I started carrying it, and I had carried that gun all the way until it became a Novak Custom gun because it was my first handgun, and it still is, and it has survived the fire, and it is the near and dear thing to my heart and one of my most prized heirloom possessions that i will pass on to john moses when he gets old enough but i digress so i was i was carrying my gun i was driving my corvette i got pulled over in cobb county i was not speeding the idiot beside me was speeding i was not she pulled me over because i'm in the vet and she doesn't know how to run a radar so she comes up to the side and she says license and i say uh, officer i'd like to inform you that i've got a 1911 on my right hand side if you want to secure it during the traffic stop for your personal safety feel free but um here's my license and the first thing she says to me is now i've been pulled over many times you, you drive a corvette you get pulled over a lot to this day i have n never had a speeding ticket in my entire adult life I do not speed. I do not get caught speeding. I do not have interactions with law enforcement officers. It's not a big deal. But driving the vet, I got pulled over all the time. I got pulled over sometimes just for them to walk around the car and look at it, and they would get back in their car and drive away. Never even asked me for a driver's license or nothing. I've had that happen. Talk about profiling. Black Lives Matter has no idea what it's like to drive a black Corvette. Anyway, um, so the 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 woman looks at me and she says why do you have a gun and i said well i work in the da's office which is a true statement i mean i wasn't a da but i worked in the da's office that's exactly what i did and i was trying cases 
I figured that that would placate her, knowing, hey, I'm a good guy. I'm one of you. And she looked at me and she said, just because you work in the DA's office doesn't mean you need a gun. And that has stuck with me my entire life. I am still bitter about that. It has been, oh my goodness, 14 years. 14 years I have been holding on to this story as the epitome of what's wrong with policing in America. But there, the, 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 the whole idea is, what it, why do you think you have to have a gun? You don't deserve to have a gun. You don't need to defend yourself. We don't need you. Police take care of it. When you get shot and you're dead, we will be there, and we will figure out who did it, and we will tell your family that we did the best we could. I mean, that's really the, the attitude, that any individual doesn't matter. And it is such an anathema to the American spirit to say that your individualness, your individual freedom doesn't matter. But that's what community policing is. I mean, that's what po- the police work is, is. It's not about saving your life. It's about catching a criminal after they kill you so that they don't hurt anyone else. The community matters. The individual doesn't. It's almost as if the individual is bait to draw out the psychopaths and murderers so that they can catch them. And it is a perfectly acceptable amount of loss that these people die so that we can catch the criminals and not hurt the rest of society. And it is just weird. This is weird. I think that... If you go into the Cobb County District Attorney's Office, you want to see something that's really freaky and weird and strange, you go into the Cobb County DA's office, and they have this wall of victims, everyone who's been murdered in Cobb County. And they're like, we'll never forget. You shouldn't have had to forget or to remember. You shouldn't have to remember. They should have been able to defend themselves. And here in Georgia, we are pretty free to defend ourselves. So if you're an adult, if you're able-bodied, if you're not handicapped, if you are of sound mind, there's absolutely no reason for you to be up on that wall. You should have been defending yourself. You should have a gun. You should have one with you all the time. And yeah, there are going to be some times that someone could get the drop on you. But if we as a society took the personal responsibility to carry, to defend, to to be on top of things, then that would not happen. That wall would not exist, and and we would not have anywhere near the number of murders that that happened. There there would be a, a high number of deaths because the same psychopaths and serial killers and homicidal maniacs would still be out there doing their thing. But instead of killing someone and getting caught and then going to prison, they would just get killed and then their victim would still be around and we wouldn't need a wall of victimhood. Folks, we're at a commercial break. I'll be right back to talk more about what's happening at the airport. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So, when when we took the break, I was talking about victimhood in Cobb County and how ridiculous it is that we have a wall of victims when every able-bodied adult person has the ability to defend themselves. And even children do. I mean, there are stories that pop up all the time. I've been seeing this over and over. 12-year-old shoots home invader. 14-year-old shoots home invader. 16-year-old shoots attempted rapists because they had firearms in their home and they knew where they were and they knew how to use them. They're not allowed to carry them out in public. They're not allowed to do things like that, which is a shame when you start to get to 18. You can go into the military and get yourself an M16 or an M4 and an M9 and be sent out to kill people, but you can't carry around at your house. That's pretty sad. I mean, that's just 
idiocracy coming full circle there that we don't let our military carry on base or at the recruitment centers is just a disgrace i mean this is this is oh folks anyway so let's get back to the airport because i'm i'm down a rabbit trail that's just making my blood pressure go up at this point um so we go down to the airport and the prosecutor asked me (coughs) what does he do for a living he says, well, I'm, I'm a first responder. He's like, not a cop? No, not a cop. Why do you have a gun? I said, he has a license. He's licensed. It's perfectly legal. And the prosecutor looks at me, and he realized that he was on thin ice with the defense attorney who was getting cranky. And he says, well, okay, so it's legal, but you, you surely you saw the signs that said you couldn't carry through there. He's like, I didn't intend to. And then the prosecutor gets this weird look. I'm like, it was an accident. He had forgot it was in the bag. How do you forget something is in the bag? And I said, my, my patented line, you ever forget your cell phone? And the prosecutor stares at me, kind of dumbfounded. I said, this is not uncommon. You're going to start getting these all the time. It happens about five times a week in Hartsfield-Jackson. I know because when I sued Ben DaCosta, who is the former general manager, he told me it happened about five times a week in Hartsfield-Jackson. So this is not going to be just a one-off thing. This is going to start to be common for you. So um, he looks at me and he's like, well, what do you want? I was like, I'd like the case dismissed. He says, I need court costs. I'm like, cool. He says, well, what about the FBI's position? So he turns over to the FBI agent. Now, Typically, you would send an agent, right? This is going to be some peon who got was working night shift last night and now has to come in and deal with a prosecutor, and it's a, it's a crap job, and nobody likes this. So he turns to the, the, the FBI agent, and the FBI agent introduces himself as special agent in charge. <laughs> now, for those of you who are not into FBI nomenclature, this is not a peon. This is a head guy. <laughs> He came down just to hear these airport cases and put in his recommendation. And the FBI looks at the Justice Department and says, I think a $100 fine and dismiss the case and absolutely no record and no conviction and and no arrest would be absolutely fine. In fact, if he'll pay a $100 fine, we'll give him his gun back. Prosecutor says, that's good with me. You want to do that? And I'm like, absolutely. So there we have it. The first airport carrying a case federally. No conviction, no arrest, get your gun back, pay a $100 fine. Now, is this going to work this way every time? I don't know. The prosecutor who was handling it is not the prosecutor who was assigned to that courtroom. She was out sick. He was caught flat-footed. He had no idea what was going on. There was an attorney there who was ready to beat him over the head with everything, and the FBI who didn't want to do this. Now, Justice may send a memo down next week and say, hey, prosecutors, you aren't doing it this way. We want blah, 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 because this is important to to whoever up in Justice that, that made this recommendation. But at least for today, the precedent that's standing is get your gun back, pay a $100 fine, no arrest, no conviction, no problem. So that is the way things stand at the airport right now. My recommendation is if you get caught carrying a gun at the airport, you give me a call and you pay me some serious cash to go down to federal court with you in case they change their mind. But uh, as it it stands right now, until someone in justice gets a a twist that they want to do something different, it seems like it's going to be a pretty fair, pretty light-handed slap on the wrist, and you even get your gun back, which is better than what was happening in Clayton. 
So there it is. I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know if it's going to be the same next week, but that is the updated report on the way things are happening at the airport as of this moment. And now you are the most informed people on earth as far as the consequences of carrying in the airport, even ahead of all those people on Georgia Packing. Now, if you are a member of georgiapacking.org and they are talking about this sort of stuff, instead of just telling them the answer, why don't you have them come listen to the show? Give me a link. You've got me over there on georgiacarry.org. Go and click on the link for today's show. Copy it, paste it over in Georgia Packing, and tell them to go listen because everything they need to know is laid out in this show, and it'll boost up my numbers a lot more than you reposting it. You know, you reposters out there, you're you're taking away my ad revenue and 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 diluting my content. It's this horrible thing. You can you can steal my picture if you want to steal my picture and use it for your avatar. Go right ahead, but don't 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 dilute my show, guys. Let's let's. Post me a link. Do me a solid. Let's get some more people listening because this is a good show and it deserves to have a wider listener base, especially here in the Atlanta area. So, folks, if you're listening on your local station right here, right now at 1160 a.m., um, fantastic. That is that is the best radio station to be on. It is a wonderful day. But you could be listening online, too, because, you know, the show's online. It's at georgiacarry.org, all the old episodes. You can listen to anyone you want. If you're listening online, don't. Save your bandwidth. Let's go to the radio stations. If you have a local radio station, AM or FM, that's a talk station that you would like to hear this show on, call their station manager. Let them know that you want to hear the georgiacarry.org radio hour with Doug King on their station. And then follow up with me. Just shoot me an email at radio at georgiacarry.org. Let me know which station you contacted. Let me know what the name of the station manager is, and I will follow up with them and get this show on your station so you can save your bandwidth and we can increase our reach to your area. It's a great way to get people listening uh, who like talk radio or who like podcasts, get them more involved in the gun culture and to individual freedom and liberty, talking about politics and in not in a vacuum, but in the hardcore, no-nonsense way that we do here at the georgiacarry.org radio hour. So uh, that is a good opportunity, and I hope that all of you will make, make use of it and help us get on more stations around the Atlanta metro area, around Georgia as a whole. Um, maybe even on the Georgia News Network. There's lots of lots of opportunities out there if we have a devoted listener base who wants to hear us without having to go to the podcast form. Um, so that covers most of what I wanted to do about the airport. Of course, it took me almost the entire show to cover the airport because the airport is exciting. Uh, for the last 80% of the show, I want to to talk about 80% lowers and, of course, talk about membership here at georgiacarry.org. The 80% lowers issue is kind of complicated uh, in that it, it involves around ATF's definition on what is a firearm. If if a f- lower receiver is only 80% complete, if it needs 20% more work done to it, it is not technically a lower receiver at that point. It's just a piece of metal. And so the difference between a gun and a gun part becomes crucial. When is a magazine a gun part and when is it an accessory? It's a, a gun part when it is shipped with a firearm. The first one is a part. The, the next ones are accessories, which means that you can get around the 922 compliance issues by shipping one U.S.-made mag and having a couple of surplus mags that are accessories. There, the, There's lots of weird, arcane, intricate dare I say, pedantic rules that ATF has created and abides by to try to work their, their, their own logic through this maze. But, folks, 
Um, it, it, what the important part is, is to know that with an 80% lower, if there's 20% more work that has to be done to the lower receiver, it is not a firearm. That means that it does not require an FFL. It can be shipped directly to your door. And if you have, you know, sixty or eighty thousand dollars worth of machinist shop tools, you can finish off that nineteen eleven receiver, build it up and, and make your own nineteen eleven and put your name on the side. It'd be a, a genuine, you know, king or a genuine uh, Spalding or a genuine whatever your last name is, nineteen eleven, instead of being a Taurus or a Ruger or a Colt. Unless your name's Colt, you know, then then it would be a Colt. Anyway, um so this gives you an opportunity to build a gun that is not been transferable. And we had some discussions about this back when I worked at ATF. The, the question was, how many of these can you build and it still be perceived as not being a business? Because once you step into being a business and you're in the business of firearms, then you, you require an FFL. Not just that you transfer things through an FFL, but that you become an FFL. And the general consensus was a couple, well, two or three, isn't going to tip the scales. A couple, a couple dozen definitely is. And somewhere in between is the gray area where it's going to be in the individual agent's discretion. But if you wanted to build a, an 80% lower Glock, it wouldn't be that hard. And it wouldn't really cause any strife with anybody else. So here's where it gets interesting. There, there have been 80% lower ARs. And those have been around for a while. Um, it involves drilling and tapping and, and doing some work to aluminum. But then the polymer AR lower came out. And there was this brilliant idea that they were going to make a polymer lower that had two different types of plastic. So you could see where the, the parts that needed to be to exacto knifed off were. Um, the downside was is that they made the full lower and then they poured new plastic over it to make the extra parts to fill in the 20%. And ATF went nuts and said, no, the moment it came out of the mold, it was 100%. And it had to be serial numbered and transferred through an FFL at that point. That you tried to turn it back into a 20% less lower doesn't count. Okay, folks, I'm at a commercial break. I'll be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So, um, when I took the commercial break, I was talking about the 80% lower fiasco with the AR plastic lowers. It was a neat idea, but it's not practical because of the way that the molding was done. Now, for years, I've been saying that, you know, Glocks are plastic guns and they're kind of chintzy. And if you get an early one, you still have to, you know, twist the, the, the um, plastic trees off the edges of the frame. Well, it's not as far from the truth as uh, Glock lovers would like to <coughs> pretend. You see, the, the Glocks now, you can get an 80% Glock lower. And it comes with all the jigs and fixtures. It comes with everything you need in order to make it into a full lower. And they are floating around online now for like $130. And that is just phenomenal. If you think about it, you can get a Glock lower receiver for 130 bucks and be able to poof, have yourself a homemade firearm. Um the one I'm looking at is at DeltaTeamTactical.com. They're not endorsed by us. We don't have any affiliation with them, but um, they are fairly cheap. You get an 80% pistol kit, includes jig and tools, easy super build for 
and it doesn't come with the lower parts kit, doesn't come with barrel or slide or anything like that. So you have to get that all separate. Lone Wolf Distributors does all of those parts very cheaply, as do these people, although I don't know what their prices are like. And poof, there you go. You can take and, and put it in the jig and cut out the extra pieces and have all sorts of goodies coming your way and in the form of an 80% lower Glock. Um, so it, it's an, it's an interesting idea. The, the do it yourself home kit that you can make your own gun with has really come a long way from the flint locks that I looked at years ago to now being able to make Glocks and AR 15s. And of course you can put your own serial number on it. You can have your serial number be whatever you want. You put your name as a manufacturer on it and it's all true because you made it. So, I think that this is an interesting opportunity. I think that it's something that we should look into as a firearms community. Uh, making our own stuff gives you a, a much deeper understanding of it. Um, finishing off these lower receivers is kind of a, a art hobby craft project. I think that it's something that you can do in an afternoon without having to have too many tools or much equipment. And it'll be really an interesting, exciting time. So... Um, I am hopeful that uh, we'll have a listener contact us that they're working on their 80% lower Glock. Let us know how it goes. Let us know how dealing with whatever company you order from is. You can always reach out to us at radio at georgiacarry.org. Also, you, you can find us on the web, georgiacarry.org, Radio Hour on Facebook. Uh, good opportunities to reach out to both of me and, and Jesse when she's here and to, to talk about the firearms stuff. We've got some interesting stories floating on there, some of which are... Not exactly safe for work right now because Texas has lost its ever-loving mind. Um, you can check out that story on our Facebook page if you haven't seen it already because I'm not going to repeat it on the air. But good night. Texas has just gone off the deep end, and I, I don't know what what they're doing, but there, there you go. Go look at our Facebook page to see the update on Texas. Um, in the meantime, you need to really start to sit down and think about what are you going to do to make firearms more available for the next generation, to preserve our rights and liberties, and to to be able to exercise our freedom in the future. And what I recommend, uh, the best way to keep our freedoms going here in Georgia is to join georgiacarry.org. Georgiacarry.org is the number one lobbying group in Georgia, the most respected, the most well-known lobbying group on firearms issues in the entire state. They get things done in the Capitol, and we are only a few months away from the next legislative session. So if you want to be involved, you want to know which senators to call, which representatives need a need an email, whose committee's hearings need to people showing up wearing gun saves lives buttons um you need to know when the governor needs us standing outside with a sign saying remember that we're voters and we support the second amendment the way to know when these things happen is to be a member this happens so fast the legislature hides the ball and throws things under the committees and next thing you know it's is being voted on and no one's had a chance to say anything You've got to be re able to react at a moment's notice. You've got to know what's going on, know where it is, know what's happening to each bill. The best way to do that is to become a georgiacarry.org member. Membership is a whopping $20 a year. It's $500 for a lifetime membership. With membership, you get emails during the legislative session, everything that's happening and what to do. Not only that, but you, there are plenty of events that come up. We just had the annual convention a few weeks ago. The annual convention was a rocketing success. The um, 
The keynote speaker was great. There was a banquet. There was a vendor area. There was speeches. Even Jesse was on a panel discussion. Um, there was the, the poker game the night before. It was a huge success. A lot of people came. A lot of fun was had. And I think that that is a great opportunity for members. But beyond that, what I think is even more important is the local chapter meetings. And these are things that go on every single week. There's a local chapter meeting happening somewhere in the state of Georgia. And the advantage of Excuse me. The advantage of these chapter meetings is that you get to meet people of like mind, get to fellowship, you can have some good food, some good time, good friends, meet people who believe the same thing that you do, and, and reach out in the community and get to know people who are involved in this community. And it is a broad and diverse community. It is not, there. it's not race-centric, it's not sexual orientation-centric, there's nothing that defines us as a community other than our belief in individual freedom, liberty, and the right to own, keep, and bear arms. And that is the quintessential fundamental f forming point of everybody in this culture and that we can find a reason to come together around this and set aside all of our other differences and believe in something common. It, it harkens back to the salons of, of France or the revolutionary meetings that happened here in the U S I mean, the, the ideas that flow and the, the congeniality uh, it, it crosses every barrier and boundary and makes us a stronger, more cohesive group, which is phenomenal in every way. It, it really does open us all up to just the best that we can be. So, folks, get out there. Get out there and enjoy yourself. Get out there and fellowship with some more GeorgiaCarry.org members. Join, if you haven't joined, 20 bucks a year. You can go to www.GeorgiaCarry.org and sign up. Uh, join now, or if you want to, if you prefer, you can go to just about any gun show. We're at every one. Uh, if you can't make it to a gun show, then then do something else. There, there's festivals. I mean, we've been to the Pride Festival. We've been to uh, just uh, the the Shaken Shaky Boots Festival, and we've been to Shaky Knees, and we've been to the the one up in Kennesaw. And I can't think of its name. Big Shanty Festival. There we go. Thank you. Big Shanty Festival is another one that we go to every year. These are places where you'll see a GeorgiaCarry.org booth manned by GeorgiaCarry.org members who are working actively and working hard to get more people involved, not because they're paid, not because they're shills, but because they actually believe in what we're doing. Just like me, we're all here out here every week doing this because we believe in individual responsibility, freedom, and firearms ownership. Well... It's it's been a interesting week looking back at at the developments at the airport. I hope that none of you ever have the misfortune of of getting detained by TSA because you forgot a gun in your bag. You may think now how could that ever happen? It happens the same way all of those accidental discharges happen. Just that one moment of inattention and next thing you know something happens. We can be responsible firearms owners. We can we can take all the precautions in the world. Eventually we slip up. I hope that that slip up doesn't involve you taking a ride to the pokey. But if it does, you can always reach out to me, 678-485-9963 is my number, Doug at KingsLawOffice.net. You can reach out to me if you have any legal trouble. Uh, I try to be fair in my representation of, of folks who are charged with firearms crimes because we are all in this together. And your rights impact my rights as well as my children's rights in the future. And how these cases are handled, I handle every single one of them as if I was representing my own son or daughter. Because in some ways, I am. If I don't represent you, then... My goodness, the precedents that get set and the things that happen are, are nothing more than tragic. 
So be careful out there. Take some time. Think about what you're doing, but also enjoy it. Enjoy a good day. Enjoy the the beautiful weather that we're having as summer draws to an end, as the days are starting to get shorter noticeably now. Uh, we're coming into fall. The kids are going are back in school. We've got Labor Day just around the corner. And I, I hope all of you will take some time, hit the range, put some lead down range, hone your skills, enjoy some fellowship, teach another person, take someone else to the range and teach them the joys of owning a firearm and of responsible carry of firearms. Because these are the, the, the traditions and heritage that we need to pass down, not just to our children, but to our neighbors, our family and our friends. So folks... I hope that you have a good weekend. I hope that you find something profitable to do. Next week, we will be back here at the same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.